Um, I, by the way, last week I was speaking in another church. Uh, a church has been through some tragedies the last couple of years, and I need to tell you, it was so refreshing for me to be there. Um, I expected, uh, I don't know what I expected, but man, I got there, and the people, having gone through some really painful stuff, um, just loved God and loved each other in a way that it was amazing. It was, they had really allowed uh, what the difficulties they, they'd experienced to just draw them closer to each other and closer to God. And I was just, I was reminded how good God is, no matter what our circumstances. And, and so uh, I just want to let you know where I was last week. And that was just a great experience. And I uh, hear things are going great here. Uh, Cody told me that, uh, what he actually said was he did great. So um, <laughs> whatever. But um, All right, I want, you to, I want you to just capture your emotion when I say these two things, all right? Just grab it real quick, all right? First one is, hey, let's go to lunch. How about this one? Hey, let's pray. Now, what's interesting is some of you are like, oh, yeah, 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 that's good. Some of you have to be really honest with yourself and go, lunch, yay, pray. Because uh, sometimes we think about prayer as kind of a duty, and it's hard work and all that kind of stuff. And today I want us to talk about prayer, because I think prayer is an incredible privilege, and it's wonderful. And I want us to experience prayer together today that is uplifting and encouraging and not dutiful and, and uh, mundane. And so I want to know how you like my shirt. You like my shirt? Yeah, okay, good. So, they just clapped for a shirt. That's funny. Uh, so, so here's the deal. Uh, this week, a couple of days ago, uh, Thursday, I guess, it was a year anniversary of my dad going home to be with the Lord. So um, uh, what was funny, I happened to be there, and that wasn't funny. That was intense, but I'm glad I was there. Uh, but in the weeks leading up, he went on hospice, so we all knew what was going to happen. He knew what was going to happen. And a really weird thing happened. Just a week or so before he died was he invites me in, and he doesn't really have the energy to get up and move around much or anything, but he invites me to say, hey, son, go back to my closet and just pick out what you want. And I'm kind of thinking, I'm a 60-year-old man. I could afford my own clothes, Pop. I don't, you know, necessarily. But I realized what was happening in that moment. And in that moment, my dad, who had always given, because that's what a dad does, a good dad gives, not everything, not always. For example, I would have preferred like a big check. <laughs> but he was offering shirts. Um, but because he just, even in that diminished state, uh, mental facilities were fine, but his body was just quitting on him. He wanted me to have, so he wanted to give, because that's what a good dad does. He, he gives. I thought it was ironic when he, when he offered me, you know, if I wanted some of his, his pants. He met my dad. He's about this tall and about the same width, same, same amount wide he was tall. And, and I said, no, dad, I don't, I don't think those will fit. He said, oh, I know they're too short, but there's some shorts you could have. <laughs> so, uh, well, well, Pop, I, I don't think we're quite the same waist size. And he said, well, waist size are you? And I told him, and, he, and I will never forget the look on his face. It was this. It was like. Hmm. <laughs> he didn't say a word, man, but I knew what he was thinking. You liar. Anyway, so. <laughs> so here's the deal about prayer. Who are we praying to? One of the first things you realize about prayers, we're praying to our Father. That's what Jesus taught us, right? Our Father. Now, if you didn't have a great relationship with your dad, uh, this is hard. I understand. But uh, uh, you can come to understand what a father was supposed to be. For many of us, like me, I had a great father. And so when I pray to my father, it's a powerful thing. Because I know I'm praying to a someone. I'm not just throwing prayers out in the universe. I'm going to send this out to the universe, and it'll come back to me. What is that? I'm praying to a person the most loving, caring person ever. I am praying to my Father, the one who created me. I am praying to God the Father. 
our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be the name. Yes, hallowed be the name. Yes, there is reverence for that Father, but there is reverence for my earthly Father as well. I need, it's greater reverence for God, just as the love for God and God has for me is greater, but it's very similar. And so this prayer thing, like, oh, I got to pray. You know, if I don't pray, God's going to, you know, make something bad happen to me. Really? Is that how your dad was? Because if he was, he was a terrible dad, right? I mean, we all would acknowledge that, right? The reality is you're praying to your father. It's not so you can you know, get brownie points or get off the hook for something. It's because Having a conversation with your dad is pretty cool. I found out in the last year how, how cool it really was since I haven't had the opportunity to do that. I mean, lots of times I would call him, hey, Bob, you're not going to believe what happened, but he wasn't there, right? Prayer is about having a conversation with the person in the world, in the universe that loves you most. Prayer, it's a privilege. It's a gift. It's an opportunity. It's a conversation with a God who wants to know you and wants to be intimate with you and, and relationally and and it's just incredible. So today we're going to not only talk about prayer, we might even pray. Uh, watch out. So I just want to read this passage for you. It's in Luke eleven eleven. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? It's like, duh, nobody does that. No father would, no good father would do that, right? And then he uses this rabbinic kind of device in which he says, if you as an imperfect human father, uh, if you, you know, you get your selfishness and your stuff, if you are that good to your kids, how much better is the perfect father, the unconditionally loving father to you? And so he goes on and he, and he says this, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This and many other places teach us that <clears throat> if our earthly fathers are doing their best, most uh, of us have tried to do our best as fathers. If we try to give good gifts, how much more does God give us good gifts? And so I want to teach us three things today that, uh, that I think can help us make prayer, uh, understand prayer as an opportunity, a privilege, and enjoy it. And, and I really do believe that prayer is not a chore. It is uh, something that we're to enjoy. Um, so I just want to kind of walk through some things with you. Um, this father that we pray to, uh, there is an issue, though, and it is that sometimes we don't understand prayer, we don't understand how prayer works, and we don't understand why we need it. And so there's this great passage I spoke on not long ago, actually, but it's very familiar. It's found in, it's found in John chapter 15, and it's the vine and the branches. And I'll just remind you by reading it. And the true vine, and my father is the gardener. There's that father, remember? That's who we're praying to. Uh, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because the word I've spoken to you. Uh, the critical word in that sentence is the word word. Um, and uh, remain in me, and I will remain in you. So this word remain is critical in this passage. It happens 11 times in 10 verses. Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. Um, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me, I in him, he, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I want to stop there because there's some important things. I want to introduce you to a phrase that you may have heard growing up. In the church I grew up in, this word, uh, this phrase, pray through, was an important phrase. And, uh, and I grew up in a praying tradition. I also grew up in a tradition with a pulpit, and this feels kind of weird. Anyway, um, it, I, may, I may at any moment just break into the King James English right here. But um, <laughs> So uh, the, this, this idea of praying through 
in the tradition I grew up in, very much a praying tradition. As a matter of fact, when I came out of uh, Bible school, I went to work at a church, and, and it, was, it was a time, and I'm really going to date myself, but let's be honest, things are obvious. So uh, I'm old. So um, there was a time when there was polyester suits. Anybody remember polyester suits? For those of you under like 100, um, <laughs> polyester was this man-made material that uh, was it was just ugly. It's just, it's just, it was never anything but ugly. And for some reason, we thought it was really cool. And, uh, and what was interesting about polyester uh, was that when you, when you rubbed it too much or began to wear out, it would turn white. Didn't matter what color it was, it started turning white. Every pastor on our staff, because when we prayed, we knelt to pray. We, that was our tradition. We knelt to pray. And every, t- every time we prayed, we knelt. And be- therefore, every suit on every pastor had knees that had white circles on them. Every one of us. And if you were a guest, you'd be like, why do they all have white circles on their knees, right? Why, why would you do that? It's because we spent so much time on our knees in prayer. Looking back on that, I'm not sure that was a bad idea, right? I'm not sure that was a bad idea. Uh, so uh, I grew up in, in a praying tradition. And one of the phrases they used, and I don't think it's from Scripture, but I think it certainly uh, reflects um, some things in Scripture, is to pray through. So here's the image. You got your Heavenly Father loves you perfectly. And here's you. And you're trying to live your life in relationship with the Heavenly Father and do it His way. But inevitably what happens, you do something not in relationship with Him, not in right relationship, not in His will. You do something. You, 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 know, you say something on the freeway to somebody. That, that doesn't really keep you right there where you need to be. Or you get hurt and you get bitter about it. Or you, whatever it is, all right? You fall prey to some urge or whatever. And so now what has happened is God is still there, but you now are here or there or somewhere over there. And so when you go to have prayer, you're trying to pray from back. The farther you are from the Father, the harder prayer is. Right? Not that please help me, I'm in trouble prayer. Those are good prayers, but you don't want to live on please help me, I'm in trouble prayers, right? You want to have a different kind of life. You want to have a victorious life, which means you're here with God and you're praying and you're conversing. But every day I do something stupid and I end up over there. And so every day I have to come back and I have to pray through my stuff to get back in the right relationship with God. Not that he left, he didn't go anywhere, he still loves me, I'm still going to heaven, all this stuff. But I know I got crud that I've allowed to get in my life since yesterday or the last time God and I talked. So I need to pray through that. Part of that is remembering who God is, right? Uh, a part of that is acknowledging what God has done for me. So I take my eyes off me and my stuff, my circumstances, and then I confess the truth about me and suddenly look where I am again. Does that make sense? Praying through the stuff, confessing it, getting it out of the way so God and I can have a great conversation. That makes sense? Yep. Nope. The first two rows get it. Anybody else? I'm going to start throwing stuff again. I'm warning you. Anyway, uh, so, so this pray through idea is important. So why is it important? Because we were created to live in connection with God. And because that is our power source. So the vine and the branch is things, agriculture term, uh, and it just means that the branch can't grow unless it's plugged in to the vine. Now, what's wrong with that illustration is that it's not like an electric car where you drive it for a while and then you go back, back and plug it in. Some of us live Christian lives as if we're an electric car, right? Now I'm plugged in, I went to church, I'm good with God, now I can go be stupid for a while and then come back and I'll plug in again and I'll be good again, right? I grew up with guys like this in certain denominations or certain religions and on Saturday night they go confess it and everything's good and they go get drunk again right? That's not God's intention for our life. Our intention is that we walk with God and we stay plugged in because in an agricultural thing, you can't unplug the vine uh, and the branches. You can't as a branch go, oh, I'm going to do my whole thing for a few weeks, a few months, a few years, whatever. I'm going to come back and plug back in. No, it lives connected to the vine or there's no grapes, right? 
And so the picture here is for us to live connected. So pray through whatever issues you have so you can stay connected, daily connected. Why do you need to stay connected? Because your purpose in life depends on it. We've got all kinds of people running around trying to figure out what the meaning of life is. What's the purpose? If you're not a Christian, I, I, I don't know what the answer is. I have no answer for you, actually, because I don't think the answer can be found outside of Christ. But if I am connected to the vine, then the purpose of my life is the same purpose as the branch is connected to the vine, which is to bear fruit. Somehow, my existence on this earth and my ongoing connection with God is to somehow benefit this world I'm living in and the people in it by bearing fruit. And so the importance of staying connected is to live not only a victorious life, to live in peace and joy and love and all the stuff we want, but also to bear fruit in our world. So how do we do that? We pray through so we can remain or stay connected. We pray through so that we bear fruit. And by the way, it says here that you can do nothing outside of that. You're saying, well, that's silly. You can do nothing. I can do all kinds of things. I know lots of people don't know Jesus. They do lots of things. They build businesses. They have families. They do all this stuff. We need to understand something. We can do nothing of eternal value, nothing for which we were created, the bearing of fruit. We cannot do that outside of relationship with Christ. We need to stay connected so that we bear fruit. Say, okay, what is, what is bearing fruit? What, what does that mean? Okay, we'll get that in a moment. Let's just stick with the issue of if I don't stay connected, I can't bear fruit. And that's what I was created to do. It says you could do nothing. You could do nothing of eternal value, which is bearing fruit. Bearing fruit is about doing things of eternal value. I can do nothing of eternal value outside of that. So let me, let me read some more here. Um, Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. In verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Not just fruit, but much fruit. Have an impact in this world, okay? Uh, Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers such branches are picked up and thrown in the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you now. The second part of verse 7 is an incredible thing. It's an amazing promise. So once we kind of pray through to remaining in him, to staying connected, we make a practice, a habit of praying through, getting right with God, being with God. Once we make a habit, then this promise that is found in the second part of verse 7 is amazing because we look at it, and here's what we immediately do. We read it as modern, you know, intellectual, uh, bright, but that can't possibly be true. And yet it is. And the keys to it, there are only, there are only two uh, kind of categories of requirements for it to be true. But it is absolutely true. And so it says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. I'm going to put that as one, the remaining part. The remaining part is if I remain in this relationship with God daily by praying through, by confessing, by acknowledging who God is, all the stuff that we're going to do on, on the blue uh, thing here in a minute. Then if I remain in him and his word remains in me. So here's what's happening. I am remaining in him by praying. He is speaking to me by my remaining in his word. I'm talking to him. He's talking to me. Now, God can lead us in other ways. Primary way God leads us is by his word. And any other way he would lead us has to be submitted to his word. So I'm remaining in him by praying. He, his word is, and by the way, this word for word here, there's different words in the Bible for word, uh, like logos or, 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 
This one is, is the root word is rhema. And it doesn't have to do with the general context of, of the gospel. I believe in Jesus. Well, that's not going to get you. Lots of people believe in Jesus. Um, demons believe that Jesus existed. But this part is not only do I believe that Jesus was who he said he was and did what he said he'd do, but that his words, his teaching have specific application in my life. And there were those words come alive as I live them out. So when he says, love your enemies, I don't just read that as a part of this context of knowledge. I read that as something as an instruction to me personally, right? Now, when he says, don't steal, honor your parents, all this kind of thing, those are specific words to me to live out, not just a big thing, oh, I believe in Jesus. Well, are you living out Jesus' words? That's kind of the question. Remain in him, his words remains in you. Then you're set up uh, in part uh, for this next section. Because the two parts are this. It's remain in me, my words remain in you. That's the remain thing happening here. And then the bearing fruit. If you remain in me, my words remain in you, and you live your life to bear fruit for the kingdom. What does it mean to bear fruit for the kingdom? The bear fruit for the kingdom is, and I'm going to just put this in, in the vernacular, is to move the ball up the field for the kingdom. Anything that moves the ball for the kingdom, anything that, that benefits, that expands the kingdom, that's bearing fruit. Anything. You say, well, like what? Well, like studying to be a minister. Sure, that does. Um, going overseas to share God's love. Sure, that does. Or raising little kids who are going to grow up to love Jesus. Sure, that does. Or holding little babies during the 1045 service so somebody else can go hear about Jesus and their life can be changed. That certainly does. Or being a better employee so that your witness is stronger. That certainly seems to be fruitful, doesn't it? Right? See, it can encompass anything we do with the right motives of wanting to serve God. And what is the promise? If those things are true, remain, and His Word remains in me, and I want to be fruitful. I intend to be fruitful. If we do those things, here's what the promise is. And we want to find all the reasons why it can't be true. And yet it is here. And Jesus said it. It says this, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. Well, there's, there's some mistake. That can't be true. Here's what happens. We all go to the extreme. Well, we know lots of people who call themselves Christians. And they think God is just some divine vending machine. You put in your cords worth of prayer and you pull out your Cadillac and you're good to go. Remember, there's two qualifications. Remaining, bearing fruit. Remaining, bearing fruit. So what kinds of things would this, I don't know, maybe you need a better job so you can spend more time raising your kids. Would that be a possibility of bearing fruit? Absolutely. Maybe you want a better job so you can show off. Hmm, God may not be that interested in that, right? So I'll give some examples. One, my grandfather was a bootlegger and became a Christian and quit the bootlegging business and eventually started a church, a little tiny church out in the hills of Oklahoma, nobody around really. They were going to build a church, so they put the basement in first, and that's as far as they got, so they put a little roof on the basement, and that's where they lived. And um, they were poor. I mean, dirt poor. And they tell a story, and I checked it before they died to see if it was a true story. And they sat down, the little family, starting to start this church in the middle of nowhere, sat down and, to have dinner and thank God for the meal they were about to eat. The problem is both grandma and grandpa knew there wasn't any food in the house. No food, zip, not even a cracker, no food. They'd eaten everything they had. But they believed God had called them to do that. And they believed they were going to bear fruit in that community. They bowed their heads. They prayed and thanked God for the food they were about to eat. Said amen. Lifted their heads and there was a knock. And I don't even know if they had a door. Whatever thing they had, there was a uh, noise. They opened it and went out. And there was groceries sitting on the little stoop there. Nobody, just groceries. They fed their family. 
And when they told the story, it was like, can you believe it? It wasn't that way at all. That's how God provides. So that's really, that's, that's crazy, right? When we were starting the church in Seal Beach, I could tell you lots of stories exactly like that. Why is it that sometimes in our lives, and it seems some places in the world, God seems to answer prayer more immediately than others? Because maybe we're not quite in line with his will, and we're not that concerned about bearing fruit yet. So there's this great story that Francis Chan, you guys know Francis Chan, he's an author and pastor. He tells this great story. He says there is this ministry he wanted to support, and my, my, um, my remembrance of it, my uh, impression I got was that it wasn't for his church. It was just some ministries he wanted to support. And he knew some rich people, and, and, and he prayed, God, help those rich people get a heart for this ministry thing that needs to happen. And then he thought about those people and thought, and if they don't, God, send me some rich people who will bring resources and will care about this. He thought a little further, and he said, God, if those don't work, would you make me rich so I can support that? He says, last year, my book, Crazy Love, made $2 million. He said, not a penny of that goes to me. It all goes into a fund that is given away. You know what I get to do? I get to do my heart's desire. I get to write checks all day long to people who are doing great things for God. You see, it was about the fruit. He didn't want to get rich. He didn't care about that. He wanted to be able to do something to bear fruit in the world. What if God, our good, good father, is sitting there saying, I want to give you stuff. I want to give you stuff that's not only going to make your life better, but make the world better, but you can't quite get lined up yet. And you won't ask for it. What does the Bible say? You don't have you don't have because you don't ask. If we can get ourselves remaining, and his word remaining in us, and we can get fruit oriented, being fruitful, what could God do? God could do amazing things. Well, I don't like to pray for myself. I don't really because Jesus prayed for himself. Well, I don't want to bother God. He cares about every aspect of your life. The only thing that bothers God is you don't ask. If one of my kids were starving to death and he didn't ask me for help, would I be upset? I'd be extremely upset. If one of my kids had an opportunity, say, I don't want to bother Dad. It's a great opportunity, but I don't want to bother him. Which, by the way, would never happen with my kids. Believe me. <laughs> I, would be, I would be upset if they didn't ask. Ask anything. There's a yellow card, and we're going we're gonna to talk about breaking through. I found, a, uh, I found a little note on my desk that I'd written in January. And it said, this year needs to be about faith, asking for bigger things than you've ever asked for before. So once we've prayed through, we're in right relationship with God, we know it, there's no unconfessed sin in our life, nothing. Then we have this incredible privilege of breaking through to a new level of serving God. And it might mean overcoming a personal challenge, whether it's addiction or a relational challenge, or it might be achieving some vision that God has given us and we've never done. It might be something we've prayed for and given up on and stopped praying for. We're going to talk about that in a moment. So uh, here's what I'd like to do with that little bit of background about prayer. I'd like us to do something weird. I'd like us to actually pray. And, uh, and so here's what we're going to do over the next few minutes. We're going to pray. And you're saying, oh, I don't even believe in God. Good. Let's find out if he's real. Why don't you pray? And if he's out there, let's just see if something happens. All right? So um, you should have received a, a blue, a yellow, and a, and a green card on the way in. If you snuck in the back door or something and you didn't get those, please raise your hand. The ushers have some. They'd love to hand them out. Um, so just raise your hand up. They will get to you. I'm going to keep talking, but they will get to you eventually. All right? Uh, there's, uh, there's cards. All right? So you need the cards. All right. So let's start with the blue card. Let's begin with the blue card. Um, 
and we're just going to do this together. Uh, the blue card is about the praying through thing. And I just do, and by the way, this is just a little sample of prayer. You can expand on this during the week. This is what I do. I do an expanded version of this every day. So praying through. Um, and here are the three things. The first one is, Lord, your attribute that I'm most aware of today is, this is not what I'm thankful, it's not what he's done for me, this is about God. God, today I am most aware of your power. I was just at the beach, I felt the power of the waves, you created nature, you must be a powerful God. Today, your attribute, I am most aware of his power. Or kindness, what goodness, faithfulness, um, justice, whatever attribute of God you're most aware of today. I want you to write that down, and then I just want you to write a little sentence, Why? You know I write my prayers because I'm too ADD to say them out loud and stay on track. So I write my prayers, and I'm just going to invite you to do that with me today. Just a little little prayer, prayer snippet thing here, okay? And so that's the first one. The second one is the gifts, and this is your thanks, Thanksgiving part. So I, I pray kind of an Acts formula sometimes, most of the time, often. Uh, adoration, confession, Thanksgiving, and supplication. Adoration was the first thing we talked about. This one is about Thanksgiving. The gifts I'm most thankful for today are it might be your family. It might be salvation. It might be, or just write down a couple. It's not, there's no getting it right. It's just a matter of involvement. And the third one is the things I need to confess include. You may not be comfortable writing this down. It's up to you, but you can make some mark or just make, put the first letters. I don't care. Uh, just here's what is between me and you, God, and I need to, I need to pray through this. I need to confess it. I'm going to give you about 90 seconds to do that quickly. All right? Just, just do it. They're going to play a little something back here. And uh, you go ahead and begin. So what you've just done is you've taken your eyes off your stuff and off yourself and you look to God. And then you've looked at God's gifts. And then you've acknowledged the truth about yourself. And now you and God are ready. You're ready to have a conversation about some things. I'm going to pray that and thank God for accepting us as we are, but changing us as we move forward. Lord, I thank you that you are God. You are almighty God and you're all powerful and you're heavenly father. And a powerful father who is unconditionally loving is pretty hard to beat. So as we come to you today, we acknowledge who you are. We thank you for all you have already done for us, and we acknowledge the truth about how we have, we have blown it from time to time.
yet you still love us and we thank you. We don't take that lightly. We don't take advantage of that and we're not entitled to that, but we are thankful. And so now, Lord, as we move forward in requesting, asking from you those things that we need, hear our prayer, God. And as a father, answer within your will what is best for you, for us, and for the kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you'll take the yellow card now. Please don't write your name on this one. We're going to do something really fun in a minute. I want you to just take that. And just like my little sticky note this week that I found, that I needed to believe God for bigger things this year. What do you need to do? For some of you, it's a big, heavy thing you got to get rid of. you got to deal with it. Uh, for some of you, it's just something you know you should have done a long time ago and you just haven't done it. Or for some of you, you need God to restore a marriage or restore a family. You just need a breakthrough. Some of you, you, it was something you prayed for before and now you've kind of quit praying because you gave up or something you dreamed of and you quit because it never happened or my, my wife's grandmother prayed for 40 years for her husband to become a Christian. Never quit. Prayed every day and he did. So what is it that you need a breakthrough on? What in your life do you need God to do? Write that down. This is the part where we ask. It's okay. As a father, I never minded my kids asking. Sometimes I ask them why they were asking, why they needed it. There's a little conversation that happened, but even that was, was relationship growing. What is it you need? And by the way, I want everyone to do this. There's a reason. I'll tell you in a minute why, but I want everyone to do this. And if your life is going so well, you have nothing that God needs to fix in your life. Well, good for you. You're speaking next week. But <laughs> pray for our country. Write on there that God would change some trends in our culture. There are some trends that are moving away from God and against God. Our children are going to have to deal with it. In my case, my grandchildren are going to have to deal with it. Pray for our country. If you don't have anything personally, pray. And then I would like everyone at the bottom of that yellow page to write down the word revival. That God would bring a revival, a spiritual awakening to us, to our congregation, to our nation. I'm going to give you just 90 seconds or so. Now that you've finished writing the yellow card, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to send it to the end of your row, that direction, to your left. Send it to the left, down the end of the row. You don't need to read them as they go by. 
Just send them down. So here's one of the things that Cody and I talked about, and we've done some research on revivals and spiritual awakenings. One of the signs of a spiritual awakening is that people begin to care more for others. They begin to not be so consumed with themselves, their own wants, their own desires, their own needs. They begin to care for others. As a matter of fact, if you'll do some history, uh, read some history in the Western world, uh, when um, there were great uh, moves of God, there were great revivals, spiritual awakenings, these social issues began to be addressed. Poor people began to be taken care of. Um, the sick were beginning to be taken care of because people, as they sought to know God better, they became more spiritually alive. They began to care for their fellow man in a different way. We can legislate all we want. We can raise taxes. But until we actually have a heart for each other, nothing is really going to get solved. But again and again throughout Western history, you will find when a, when a spiritual awakening happens, social ills get addressed and they get cared for. And one of the, our prayers during this time is that we would move our eyes beyond our own needs and desires, even our own failures, and that we would pray through to God. And in this relationship with God, we begin to care for and pray for each other. And that we would grow our hearts for each other and for the world around us. And so today what I'd like to do, the experiment is we're going to hand those cards back out again. But we're not going to give you your card back. You're going to get somebody else's card. Now, if you didn't fill one out, you don't take one because the math doesn't work. That's why I tell everyone to fill one out. And so don't pick through them, just grab one. God's already ordained which card you need to get. Don't choose, okay? And, and just take one and you zigzag your way around until everybody has a card. And as we do that, I'm going to ask you to pray, to just have a moment of prayer for that person. And then I'm going to ask you to take that card with you this week. Now, here's what's interesting. You won't know whose card it is. And you may never know what happens, but you might. Someday in heaven, someone might walk up to you. You don't know this, but that thing you prayed for, it happened. You might actually see someday somebody's story on the screen. You go, oh my goodness, that's the person I was praying for. Let me tell you what happened after last service. Lady sitting on the front row fills out a card. On her way out, one of our staff had been looking for her. said, I need you. I know that you have a career in such and such. And in my ministry, I need that. Is there any chance you would serve? And this lady went, oh my goodness. I just two minutes ago wrote down, God, you know what I can do and what I've done for a career. If I could use that ministry, please help me do so. You think God's teasing? He's not messing around. You have an important place in the kingdom. You have a place in this family where God cares about you and we care about you and we're going to be praying for you. And whether it's you need to get involved in a ministry to use your gifts or you need to overcome some situation in your life or you need healing and restoration of relationship, we are there with you. We are going to pray because God listens to prayers and he gave us a promise. Remember? So as you take your card, I'm going to ask you, just say a prayer. And by the way, don't give it one of these, oh, God, help this person. Come on. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you know what to pray. God, help me know what to pray for this. It's kind of vague. They didn't write much here. But God, what might be going on here? What impact might you answering this prayer do for them and for their family or for the community? Lord, what might be holding them back? Lord, I pray that you would free them from whatever holds them back, that you would, you would give them the faith to step into this thing or, Ask God to help you just in the next few minutes. I'm going to give you just a couple minutes. We're still handing out the cards. It's okay, but as you get that card, just read it and just begin to pray quietly. God, help this person.
Has everybody got a yellow card? Is anybody still waiting to get a chance to pray for somebody? There's some here, here, right here, up there. It's coming, it's coming. Anybody else? Right down here in front. at the end of your time of prayer for that person, I want you to pray for us, all of us, that we will see God move in our lives, that God will make us more hungry for his presence and his word, that we would have a revival, a spiritual awakening. So five fairly intelligent, well-educated adults last time trying to figure out how to do this quickly, we failed. But I think it's important. If you still don't have one, put a hand up. Yeah, she's still looking around. Got a couple of people right here, a couple of people right there. If we have some cards, okay. Otherwise, people took cards and didn't turn them in. Hmm, you better pray extra hard. All right, let's have a word of prayer. Lord God. As we hold these cards, some of them probably seem insignificant, others seem overwhelming. But Lord, they represent a person in this room who wants to know that you care about them, who needs you to intervene in their life in some way. So Lord God, I pray that you would, you would answer these prayers and answer them in such a way that only you can get the credit and answer them in such a way that it brings fruit and to the kingdom and glory to your name. And Lord God, that it would teach us that prayer is powerful and it is wonderful and it's a privilege. Lord God, I thank you for the only, my own answers of prayer this week where I had some things I didn't want to do and felt like you wanted me to, and you met me there. And they were the highlights of my week, and I thank you for that. You answered those prayers. Lord, I pray that you would answer these prayers because you're a good, good Father, and you love us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll take those cards with you this week and pray for that person every day. 
pray for that person. Pray through and then pray for that person. And then lastly, there's one more card and it's a green one. We're going to do this fairly quickly. Here's what I need to tell you. That sometimes we're up against opposition that isn't just a matter of strategy or willingness. It is the source of the opposition or the conflict or the challenge or the, the addiction is of an evil nature. And here's what it says in Ephesians 6, 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If you feel like there's something in your life or something you're observing in your family or that you're powerless over, you have prayed that about that thing. You just can't seem to stop doing it. Or you've prayed and you can't seem to bring a reconciliation to that relationship. Or you've prayed and it just doesn't seem to be happening. Sometimes we need to acknowledge, and I don't talk about this a lot because I don't want to give the evil one more credit than he deserves. But sometimes there's real opposition and it is a spiritual nature. And sometimes we need to we need to go to battle in prayer and say, God, only you can fix this. Only you can do this. And we need to fight our way through in prayer. And so on that green card, if you have something like that in your life or something you observe around you that really is a spiritual battle, I want you to write it down just really quickly. We're going to do this very fast. Write it down really quickly. If it's an addiction, you know what it is. If it's some kind of marriage breakup happening and you can't seem to make it better, you know what it is. One of your children is running away from God and running away from you. You may know what it is. If you're looking at our culture and evil seems to be rearing its ugly head, maybe you know what it is. Maybe we need to go to battle and prayer over it. It may be spiritual in nature. you continue to write, I'm going to pray. Lord God, we bring these things to you because these are not things we can strategize our way out of. These are not things that we can figure a plan to move beyond. These are not things that are just a different choice will change the earth. These are things that seem to be incredibly strong and powerful. And Lord God, we suspect maybe there's something more going on here. And whether it's just people's bad choices or the evil at work, Lord, you are more powerful. And so today we come to you and we do warfare. We do battle through prayer first before we come up with a plan, before we come up with a strategy, before we do the next kind of bad thing to figure this out. Lord God, we stop and we pray and we ask you to do what you said you would do. We are in line with you, Lord God. We are close to you. We have prayed through. We want to bear fruit in our lives and we want your kingdom to go forward. And now we ask you to bring, in some cases, Lord God, we ask you to bring freedom for some people in this room, they have an addiction. They are powerless over that thing. They cannot seem to break it. They cannot remove themselves. And Lord God, right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would free those people. Lord God, there are people in this room that have carried anger and bitterness because they were wrong. And yet, Lord God, it's not helping them. It's robbing them of the ability to be fruitful in this world and do what you created them to do. And right now, I pray that you would give them the courage to let go of that thing and you would give them freedom. Lord God, there are people in this room right now. They've been abused. They've been hurt. They've been wounded. They are afraid of the world in which they live, and for good reason. And yet, Lord God, you came to be to make us overcomers because you are greater in us than anything that is around us. And today, Lord God, we proclaim freedom for those people. 
Lord God, you came and you died on a cross so that we would know not only that we are loved and that we are forgiven, but that we are free. Today, Lord God, we can walk out of this place, not because of ourselves, not because of some superior knowledge, but because of the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit that frees us. And today, we come to you to fight the battles that we can't fight for ourselves, Lord God. We need you to fight for us. We need you to fight for our children, for our marriages, for our families. And yes, Lord, even even for our nation, because I believe that there are forces that work to destroy our marriages, our families, and our nation. And Lord God, you are greater. Lord God, you are so much greater. And so we now, even now, we invite you to come and to bring freedom and to bring victory and to loose the chains that have held so many of us back from being fruitful for the kingdom. So today, we thank you for coming. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for setting us free. We'll proclaim it now in Jesus' name and because of the work on the cross and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.